Welcome back to Cover B. We are coming at you with a real extra. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> a very, very extra. Very real. Really real. Very extra. Extra. So extra. Really extra. This movie <laughs> is very extra. Uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, the highly anticipated uh, Marvel movie. Yay! Released over the weekend, and we are here to talk about it. We've been waiting about this one for a long time finally uh <laughs> waiting to see what sort of things it did for the marvel multiverse as well as the mcu going forward if anything and we will let you know <laughs> if anything uh later after spoiler time has started but for the time being what is this movie about this movie is the continuation to 2000 doctor strange <laughs> whenever that movie happened uh it has Benedict Cumberbatch uh, reprising his role as Stephen Strange, the mystic master of the magic mystic arts or something. <laughs> uh, we also see Benedict Wong reprise his role as Wong. Rachel McAdams reprise her role as Christine, Dr. Christine. Uh, and we are introduced to Sochi Gomez playing the uh, brand new character, America Chavez. Yay! Brand new to the MCU, not brand new to comics. She's been around. And she's and awesome. Very excited to have this character, and so she does an incredible job. Uh, this movie also sees Elizabeth Olsen reprise her role as the Scarlet Witch as she is contacted by Doctor Strange uh, to help with some multiversal brouhaha that is happening and help track down some sort of dark force that seems to be causing ripples in the multiverse of which America Chavez is involved uh, and that's about all I can say before it gets spoilery, because who, buddy, I gotta tell you, they did a really good bait-and-switch with the marketing on this one. <laughs> Movie is directed by Sam Raimi. Uh, it is absolutely dripping with Sam Raimi's typical Raimi flair, and there is a Bruce Camel cameo, so sorry if that's spoilery to anybody, but... It's awesome. Maybe that will entice you to see it. <laughs> Bruce Campbell's there. We were all hoping... He's definitely there, and it's a nice, his role is like a weird homage to Ash from the Evil Dead, so. Uh, but yeah, T, thoughts, initial thoughts on the movie. Initial thoughts on the movie. As a Sam Raimi film, I loved it. It is like the most Sam Raimi film to ever be Sam raimi It drips with his nuances and behaviors from literally the opening mm -hmm. to the absolute ending scene it is sam raimi from start to finish the use of horror in this book this something to say before going this movie is scary <laughs> it is it's like the first mcu movie i can think of that has jump scares and it has multiple jump scares it's not just like oh there's one haha no there's like a handful of different jump scares and they are scary yeah it like startling like actual jumping and like there's some body horror a little bit of body horror and there's yeah, some yeah. like creepy in general dark tones yeah and, and like weird makeup and weird cgi and it's 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 not for little people <laughs> mm -hmm. it is not for your youngsters 
Do not take your small children to this movie unprepared. Okay? That's what I want to warn. Um, but that being said, as a horror movie buff who loves the Sam Raimis, there's kind of this ongoing joke online where normally when you say, oh, before you go see this movie, you need to see like WandaVision and the new Spider-Man movie. But this one, it's really like, if you need to be prepared to see this movie, you need to see like Evil Dead and Drag Me to Hell. Because it really does feel almost more like a Raimi movie than an MCU movie yeah. in a lot of instances. Yeah. I, um, I mean, first of all, the cast. I love this cast. So I, good. The Doctor Strange stuff is very refreshing in the world of Marvel. Because yes. I don't feel like they fully Tony Stark. Doctor Strange. Correct. They tended to do that. Once they realized that RDJ's Tony Stark was miraculous, they went and everyone's going to be quippy and kind of arrogant and snippy and stuff like that. Right. And while Doctor Strange is still an ass, <laughs> it comes from this darker zone. And it has in both movies and even the like what if series that he was a part of and even his, you know, appearance in uh, Infinity War. Uh, Doctor Strange is personality has always been yes he does quip and is sarcastic but it's so dry and so very dark it's the type of you know quips you would get out of somebody that's dealing with depression which is something that comes up in yeah. this is like somebody who's not legitimately happy um and just generally the chemistry that the two benedicts have is wonderful like the the interactions between Strange and Wong, great, oh, so good, and they they really revived that character from you know just being this strange foreign manservant kind of character to yeah. something that's actually worthwhile. Wong is the this isn't news. He was this way in uh, Shang Chi. Was it Shang Chi that we found out he was the? Yes, I think it was Shang Chi. Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, he's the Sorcerer Supreme. Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme because yeah. he didn't get blipped. So they needed a Sorcerer Supreme, so Darn they gave tootin'. it to Wong. Uh, and he's doing a damn good job. Rachel McAdams gets to have a little bit more of a presence in this one than she did in the first movie, which is nice. And a little more personality. Fleshes out the Christine character a little bit more. Uh, and then Sochi Gomez as America Chavez, just amazing. A so good. Incredible first entry into the franchise, into the MCU as a very important character to a bunch of people. Yeah. People love this character. There are a lot of people connected to this character. There's a lot of reasons to be connected to this character. Yes. America Chavez in the comics is Latin and queer. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge yeah. deal. So, you know, representing for the LGBTQ plus community, representing for the Latinx community. There's a lot going in, just generally being a young, fun, spunky character with interesting powers, um, doing interesting, very visually stunning things. Very cool. Uh, that's the coolest thing I think about. <laughs> what I love about the Doctor Strange stuff is like, they basically just it, turn that franchise into like, here's our template for Portals, the movie. Because <laughs> like the first one, he did the like circle things and everyone was like, Wow, like the sparks going everywhere and it was like oh portals are so cool and that kind of became like this is how portals are gonna look now and then you know in this one you've got america chavez punching star-shaped holes into reality which is comic and accurate yeah. and amazing and it's just like 
It's like these these are portals too, you know. And Chris can Chris can vouch for me. We're sitting in the theater, and the intro to the Marvel music starts to play. And I looked at him, and I said, "If she doesn't punch a star hole into something, I'm walking out. That's gonna ruin it for me." And almost the first thing we see on screen from her is her punching a star hole, yeah. and it's like, yay! <laughs> this movie, there's a lot of energy to it. It drips with energy. It is just absolutely festooned with energy. Um, it's like me back in college when finals were due and I've done nothing the <laughs> night before. And I literally had like a bandolier of energy drinks. That's this movie, though probably taller and less depressed. Um, <laughs> I'm better prepared. <laughs> Like I said, Sam Raimi's touch is definitely on this. You can see that in some of the more horror elements and some of the darker tones that do come along with this, as well as just the general presence of this much energy. Sam Raimi's stuff tends to be very gonzo and oddball and just like way out in your face. You know, you can think to the Evil Dead 2, the scene of Ash just laughing at like, all the taxidermied animals and all the items in the house laughing with him. And there's just this extended, almost too long scene of just everything in this house laughing with these like weird canted angles and stuff. And that's what Sam Raimi brings to this. Yeah. But it's also constantly moving forward. The forward progression of this movie is insane. There's mm -hmm. nothing slow about this movie. Yep. You are on a roller coaster track and you are not slowing down there until is, it ends. I would say one or two pacing issues where they kind of the issue with these big IP movies that is kind of becoming apparent is that they have a lot of ideas that they put out there and they're like we got to get all of these in the movie whether it makes sense or pacing not. wise or not. Yeah. And there was at least one part in act 3 uh, that I was like, I don't like I like stuff that's happening in this and I like kind of the tone of the whole thing. But I don't feel like it was entirely necessary for the progression of the story. Right. Um, but whatever. Uh, Sam Raimi and his team also bring a really interesting use of soundtrack in this. The soundtrack mm -hmm. is very emotive, almost in the way you would expect it in like a musical where the world around you is a direct reflection of how the soundtrack is performing to the extent where like things will happen with Dr. Strange. And there's just this like epic guitar riff out of nowhere. <laughs> and it's like, okay, damn. There's a part where two people have a music fight, which was probably one of my favorite so cool. parts of the movie. It was one of the coolest things I've seen. It was like watching Fantasia, but with a two dudes in capes, you know, like, and, but it also felt so rainy at the same time. It was extraordinary. So it's, there's a lot to love about this movie. And I know if you've been around on the internet, you've seen that there is a lot of debate about that, and about the movie. And we're going to talk about it and it is what it is, but there is a lot of exciting, exciting things, whether it be the cameos, some of which we know about already, some of which were pretty well hidden leading into it. Uh, or the story at large, the introduction of America Chavez, the use of soundtrack, or just the general energy and visual amazingness. <laughs> I think of a good word there. 
just the stunning visuals of the of the movie. There's a lot to be excited about. It's really, really cool and definitely worth catching in the theaters while it's out. I mean, personally, how I've been kind of saying it, and I think this is probably a good segue into a more spoilery session of speaking, is that as a Sam Raimi movie, this was so great and fun. It was great to watch. It's very engaging. It, there's a lot to enjoy. As a Marvel movie, you might have some feelings. I think, yes, as how it pertains to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole is probably the weakest that it has. I, I do feel like we are reaching this point where MCU fans are going to have to accept that it's just never going to happen again. And it's a tough thing to accept. I've experienced... <laughs> Anyone who's gone through life has experienced this many, many times. I've experienced it more recently with, like, horror movies. I've been in kind of, like, a slump for, like, eight years because I feel like I don't have horror movies that scare me like some of the big ones did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've reached a point where I just don't feel that rush as much anymore from horror movies and horror games and stuff. It's been a long time um, since we've had a paranormal activity that actually scared the heck out of you. Exactly. And that's kind of where we're at with the MCU. It might be time to accept that the big, nearly a decade and a half Thanos arc, you know, starting in Iron Man and ending in, uh, in Endgame, isn't gonna happen. And maybe we should focus more. Like, if you look at recently, Moon Knight was completely isolated from the MCU, but it was incredible. It was a very good series. It worked. And so maybe it's time to start focusing more on these individuals and less on creating this big universal thing. Now, I say that knowing that that is problematic because we do have a very important group of characters that is supposed to come in that requires a lot of setup a to come in. Effort. We did an episode about an entire episode about how the hell would they even introduce the X-Men, you know? Yep. And... It's not just something you could drop. It's not just you can develop a bunch of people out here and then be like, oh, and here's the X-Men off on their own. Because just like you saw in the Eternals where they had to do a lot of backpedaling to be like, why didn't you help with Thanos? The same question is going to be for the X-Men. Yep. So where do we go with that? And the more they do these movies and make them kind of isolated, and this isn't so much spoilery. I'm sorry if it is kind of spoilery if you were hoping this would have like long-reaching mcu effects impacts it doesn't really um and it's fine it does some things it introduces a new character a couple it, of new characters a couple new characters it takes uh you know it takes this concept of the multiverse and makes it very approachable to the mcu as a whole as well as you know progressing the story arc of multiple characters that we've been seeing grow and change as time has gone by but overall, does it introduce anything new? Not really. It introduces the implication of new things more than anything, but it doesn't introduce the new things themselves directly. In in other words, to put it in Hickman's favorite quote, they put the toys back they in the toy box. They did put the toys back, so. All right, so now we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about things that are a little bit more spoilery. Yes. Uh, if you haven't seen the film and you don't want spoilers, cut out right now and come back to the episode later. Uh, we've got at least one big debate that has to happen, uh, and then we'll probably just spend the rest of the time gushing about cameos. So <laughs> come back if that sounds 
entertaining to you. So we'll give you give you a moment. Okay, so Mr. Fantastic is in this movie. Oh my god! Oh, guys, guys. So we're sitting and we're watching and they're like introducing the Illuminati, which we all effectively, if you have Googles and you care about these things, you've already known that the Illuminati was likely going to be. Mm. Who was on the stage in the in the trailers that we had been depicted? We all the internet as a collective had lots of theories about who was going to appear. Some were thinking it was going to be, you know, Superior Iron Man, and we were going to have some weird, like, Tom Cruise thing happen. There were discussions that we were going to be seeing uh, Michael B. Jordan again mm -hmm. in a role. You know, there was a lot of discussion. And we're all casually chilling, and then they're like, yeah, so, and then here's the smartest man in our universe. And we're like, oh, cool, so we are going to get a Tom Cruise cameo. And then it's freaking John Krasinski in the most fan art looking outfit I've ever seen in my life. And you're stunned, and you don't know how to... I stopped breathing. Mm -hmm. It was... Flawless. Yep. So we knew, we've known for a long time that Charles Xavier was going to be in this, you know, most recent TV spot even gave us a flash of his like yellow classic 90s wheelchair. He comes wheeling out to a little motif of and it's cool. So cute. Uh, we, you know, the most recent TV spot showed uh, Captain Marvel or uh, Captain Carter. Yep. Showed her shield. Her shield. So we kind of knew going in. We knew Mordo was going to be the, you know, involved in the Illuminati. We also did get, it doesn't get talked about as much as, uh, as the John Krasinski thing, but we did also get, uh, I don't remember what her name, first name was, but Monica Rambeau's mom as Captain Marvel. Yes. It was the same actress was playing Captain Marvel. Which is cool. On the Illuminati in this one. Um, and... We got Black Bolt. Yeah, and the actor who played Black Bolt in the Injustice the or uh, Inhuman series, the unfortunate, infamous Inhuman series. We don't talk about the Inhumans. Uh, got to reprise <laughs> his role as Black Bolt and actually got to do some Black Bolting. And it was which cool. Is nice. uh, and then, yes, John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. Do they stick around? No. If you've no. seen the movie, you know that they're all pretty much dead by the time the credits roll. Um, so fast. And this kind of broaches on the problem. The problem that I have with what I mentioned earlier about the concept of like, we need to accept that we're it was lightning in a bottle and we're not going to get it anymore. Marvel needs to stop teasing about it. Thank that's you. the biggest thing is like, <laughs> if that's where we're going, they need to treat it as such with things like Moon Knight. Like there is no point in the entire run of Moon Knight, that there was ever a moment where it was like, we're going to need some help. And then it shows like, you know, uh, Rand core building in the background. And we're like, oh, is he going to go get the Iron Fist? And then they like go talk to D-Man or something. You right. know what I mean? Like there was never anything like that in Moon Knight. And it was good. It was good being isolated. The characters that they were going to introduce were right here in your face. Here you go. We're introducing them. And it was the enough. The characters they weren't going to introduce never even got teased or approached. And that's just what it was. You know, I think back to WandaVision, how much was like, te like, oh, we've got a benefactor. And like, uh, you know, Paul Bettany's like, I got to act with someone really I always wanted to. And like all this dumb stuff. Like... <laughs> all this stupid shit around WandaVision. 
trying to make you think like, oh, is Reed Richards going to, are they going to introduce the X-Men? Who's going to get powers? They said something about somebody getting power and like all this stuff. And while we did get like the beginning phases of Spectrum, it was, the rest of it was just wasted potential. And they kind of did the same thing with, you know, the Venom in credit scene that I have lambasted multiple mm-hmm. times. They did the same thing with No Way Home. You yep. know, they gave us these cameos, but they're not going to do anything with them. And that's inherently the biggest issue we're having with these is that Chris is right. Stop teasing us. Because what they do is they kind of take the toys out of the toy box. They put them in front of you and they say, look, look, look at these toys we have. And then they put them away and you never get to play with them. Yeah. You never get to engage with them. I'm... They don't get brought into our universe. They don't have any lasting impact. It's like stop hyping your things because the yeah. problem is that by hyping them you make them more of a disappointment i'm all about fan service i'm i'm here for it i understand i love fan service but <laughs> when i'm like waist deep in fan service and then i there's nothing i can get out of it i'm just in this mire of fan service yeah there's, there's fan service and then you just pull the plug and it all drains away then you know, and this kind of goes back to where I was saying, you know, this movie didn't really do anything directly for the MCU, but it did implications of things. Yeah. Um, and this was actually pointed out to me on Reddit. Uh, the entire movie is spent showing that every Stephen Strange in every universe is Stephen Strange, is Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. Every Mordo, or at least the Mordos we see, are the same actors. Mm-hmm. You know, the Peggy Carters we see are the same actors. So in this iteration of the multiverse, at least to the extent that we can tell, you know, Scarlet Witch and her kids are the same in that universe that they were in our universe. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, means that in other universes, other versions of you are the same person. So was this marvel teasing because everyone wanted john krasinski to play mr fantastic or was it a casting reveal Ah. because presumably the reed richards in our universe would be the The same same. reed richards that said does that mean we're gonna get patrick stewart as professor x probably not because the x-men are still a ways out and they're gonna want to bank on somebody that isn't as old probably right you know um but the nice thing about old characters is you can always just pretend that they grow up and look that way. Anyway, True. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe maybe we will get John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But cool cameos. It All was, the same. And we got exciting. another one that's not talked about much is Charlize Theron as Clea. Oh, at my the gosh. <laughs> Very end of the movie. The cut uh, mid credits scene right yes mid credit scene uh clea pops out grabs strange and takes him into limbo uh and it's awesome the dark dark dimension dark dimension the dark dimension that's where she's from i think i can speak for all of us in the mcu fan trip and that we were just waiting we were waiting for her to join it's such a her thing to be Mm -hmm. a part of the mcu and i had always wondered what could they put Charlize Theron in? Who would she be? What could they put her in? And then as soon as I saw her on the screen and my brain clicked, hey, that's Charlize Theron and also Clea. They are the same. It was perfect. It makes so I much just, sense. Um, so, 
you know, I think one of the implications that we have is that things that people are like, well, how do we rationalize this as, you know, part of the multiverse can, or part of the Marvel universe can start being rationalized just as multiverses. And we can start bringing in actors and whatnot from like Sony things and Fox things that we like to play these characters and et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. which is cool. I don't know, but I'm I'm still up in the air about the X-Men stuff because like, who are they going to pull? Like if we get more X-Men content, are we just going to, put Sophie Turner as Jean Grey and then focus on like a younger group of X-Men or something like not that she's old just saying like we don't really need to do like another origin of Jean Grey or do we want to get of Sophie Turner's Jean Grey or do we want to get fresh actors and bring them in I don't know how they're going to handle all that because they're really setting a firm line here of like in different universes you're the same actor you know what I mean unless you're Peter Parker you look near identical (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. In No Way Home, they really established that you. Maybe it's some it's people weird. are, and some people aren't. Yeah, maybe it's just some people are more of a universal content constant, or they just happen to. These Doctor Stranges all had similar enough life growing up that they all ended up looking the same. I don't know. It's interesting. It would have been a nice kind of, I guess, nod to that concept to have like a different person playing. At least one of the strangers. Benedict Cumberbatch, you know what I mean? Yeah. But Martin Freeman, that would have been funny. <laughs> Except he's already in the MCU. But um, I do want to say, though, if Clea coming to get Doctor Strange means that we're going to start introducing new, like, other Sorcerer Supremes of other universes, like, the, of the other dimensions, mm-hmm. we need magic. Anya Taylor-Joy's magic should be a part of that. I agree. Because she is the Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo. And that would be cool. And she did a great job in that role. And maybe right around the time we're getting Doctor Strange 3, we started introducing mutants, and then, we, you know, it makes sense. But anyway, uh, cameos were really dope. Cameos were fun. Bruce Campbell cameo. Uh, the final, for those who don't care about spoilers and are listening to this to see if it's worth going to see this movie, there are two mid-credits, or two credit stingers. One is mid-credits, so after the fun animated credits before the boring black-and-white credits... Uh, is the Charlize Theron Cleo one. Uh, the one at the very end is just Bruce Campbell punching himself. It's hilarious, though. It's great. It's really funny. It's <laughs> worth watching, but it's also not anything revelatory. So if you want to pop out, get scooting. Finally go to the bathroom. Yeah. So let's get to it. Let's Ugh. talk about Scarlet Witch. Ugh. So the marketing for this movie presented it as if there was something going on in the multiverse. It seemed to present either Doctor Strange himself or the Illuminati as antagonistic characters. uh, While it was going to be Strange, Wong, America, and Scarlet Witch going through the multiverse trying to repair things. Turns out, that was a lie. Shocking. Uh, Scarlet Witch is the villain of this movie. 100% villain. She has been 100% corrupted by the Darkhold, is ready to destroy the multiverse if she has to in order to acquire America's ability to jump between multiverses um, and find a universe wherein she has her kids. She knows that doing so will kill America, and she's fine with that. She at one point attacks 
uh, the school where all where Sorcerer Supreme Wong is teaching people magic and kills a bunch of people, and she's fine with that. Uh, she's at one point asked, "Hey, what are you gonna do with the kid's mom when you find them?" And she's fine with that. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a huge debate raging online about this. Yeah, it's a lot of people taking sides. Some people on the side of it ruins Wanda's character. Some people on the side of it's the perfect, it's exactly makes sense for Wanda's character. We don't know. Where do you stand, people out there? Let us know. Where do we stand? I stand that they didn't do a solid enough job establishing her being taken over by the Dark Horde. Mm -hmm. The biggest issue, and this is kind of the, the prominent point of this side of the argument on the internet, is that... You cannot take someone who is one way in one show and then have them go through a transformation off screen and then have them reappear entirely different. Mm -hmm. That's what they did. They didn't show the gun. Yeah. They We left WandaVision with Wanda feeling remorseful, feeling sad and mourning, but ready, but facing acceptance in the stages of grief and starting to move on. She took the dark hold and knew the risks, but that was... That was about it. We then off screen are basically informed, oh, well, now the Darkhold took over. We don't see that. Mm -hmm. We don't have any proof of that. We don't have any indication. There's no scenes that show like her inner, like, like her personality or her soul or anything being like absorbed by the Darkhold or her have like her weird talking like she's being possessed by something else. Like, it's always just her, but she's been corrupted by the Darkhold, supposedly. Yeah. And it happened so, off screen, and now she's evil. Exactly. So, you know, the two sides <laughs> of the debate, there's people saying, oh, this is the perfect route for Wanda's character. And there's people saying that, you know, they just made her a villain all of a sudden. It's not all of a sudden. Like, when you look at WandaVision, she was the villain of that. Yes. And... Even though Agatha was doing a lot to agitate things, Agatha also being a villain, Wanda was the villain. Yes. And Wanda leaves that still as a villain. Granted, a villain who's sorry, potentially, for what she did and has to sacrifice her family to set things right, at least in that initial moment. Mm -hmm. But when you go through that series, she's causing people pain. She's got kids suspended in animation somewhere. She... She's not a good people. And it, you know, <laughs> there's the twist in the series where it seems like, oh, this is just a typical, like, Wanda doesn't know what's happening. Her powers got out of control and stuff. But there's a point where you realize that she is in control. She, she knows. does know what's going on. So she's actively a villain in that show. Yes. And she leaves it still being a villain. And the end credits thing of that show is her going through the dark hold, being told by Agatha how powerful it is, how corrupting it is. Being, you know, seeing that it's literally like a book made of flesh. It's like people who look at the Necronomicon and they're like, this will make for a fun laugh around the fire. <laughs> you know, this book that's screaming obscenities at me. And she takes this dark hold and we see her using it out in a cabin in isolation. And while we can respect her, like, oh, she's out in isolation. She's not going to hurt anybody if things get out of control. She's still, she, we are met with a Wanda that, whose motivations we're not too sure of. Obviously, she wants to get her kids, but we're not too sure how. 
but she's willing to engage with dark forces to do that. Now, that could have led to a Wanda who's more of an anti-hero, more of a don't get in my way, but I'm going to do what's ultimately right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, we were met with a Wanda that is full, bloodthirsty, power-hungry maniac. Yep. And I, I agree 100%. I think the biggest issue is that we're not given a solid idea of what that corruption was. You know, and it it's an easy repair. Mm-hmm. It's like a three minute sequence of her like smeagling out and warring with herself. Mm-hmm. It's like a three minute sequence of surprise. Cathan is real and he's pulling the strings. He's manipulating her like a puppet. It's like a three minute sequence of her just out in this like cabin. And maybe she's buried the dark hold under the floorboards. And then she hears her kid's voice. So, like, the Darkhold is calling to her, like, come get me, you know? Or even a scene, there's a scene in the movie in which um, Xavier goes into the brain mm-hmm. of um, Wanda possessing... When she's dreamwalking. When she's yeah. dreamwalking. And you see the original inhabitant of that body buried under rubble. If they had had another Wanda in, like, yeah. a cage, like, yelling, like, let me out, let me out! And there was another indication that or she even was like, being possessed by the Darkhold. Have the actress who played young Wanda reprise her role, like in WandaVision. Yeah. Reprise her role in like maybe a Scarlet Witch looking outfit. Like one of her like... like the Halloween-y costume Her one. like Age of Ultron yeah. outfit or something. Come up to Charles and give some sort of like, she's going to get you or like, you have to get out of here or some sort of like, some sort of indication that the Wanda that pops out of the red smoke and breaks Charles neck that looks like a horrible monster is the corrupted version and that there's an innocent version still in there. I'd be down with that. And that's my biggest problem with the other side of the argument saying like, oh, it's the perfect, it makes so much sense. And I've seen a lot of good arguments about like, you know, the thing to remember is that like Agatha... And these Doctor Stranges that we've seen that use the Darkhold, they were all of, like, right mind. But Wanda's going into it already broken and damaged. So, of course, her corruption's going to happen really fast. And, like, all this stuff. And, like, yes, that makes sense. But my biggest issue is you don't show that. Aside from her fingers getting slightly blacker as time goes by, Mm -hmm. they never show us the extent of this corruption there's never a wanda's trying to break away from it kind of thing wanda's you know listening to reason and then something grabs her and makes her do something crazy or something like that we just see a wanda trying to kill a child killing young adults possibly teenagers at the school being told that she could destroy all of reality if she keeps doing what she's doing and being like f it i don't care And one of the things that was pointed out to me that's particularly, like, why doesn't she just find a multiverse that has two of her kids that don't have a mom anymore? Mm -hmm. If there's infinite possibilities in the multiverse, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't she just find one of those? And I always expected there to be, like, a negative twinge to Wanda in this. I kind of expected, like... Strange was going to approach her about the multiverse. She was going to be like, oh, I heard about it. And he was going to be like, how? And she was going to make something up. And like, you know, you have reality altering powers. I think it would be handy for you to come along with me in America and kind of figure out what's going on. They were going to go on. Bad guy was going to happen. They were going to ah fight. 
And then at some point, Wanda was going to figure out how they were traveling the multiverse Mm -hmm. and try to take it for herself in order to go find her kids, only to be eventually talked down or something. Right. Like, I always expected there to be this. But to take her to, like, full-blown villain territory and not do a really solid job of showing this as a corruption or something makes you look back at, you know, the Wanda that had been manipulated by Hydra and felt remorse for the things that she had to do. The Wanda that accidentally killed a bunch of people when Crossbones blew up. And Sokovia. And, well, not Sokovia, in a... Because Sokovia was the city that dropped. Oh, oh, right. In right. It, same movie, though, in Civil War, yeah. when the thing that kind of prompted the drafting of the Sokovia right. Accords, when Crossbones was like, I'm going to explode, and she put him in a bubble and then threw him in a building and yes. a bunch of people died. And she was super remorseful for that and hated that everyone hated her and stuff. And then, yeah, to an extent, the Wanda, I did feel, I remember watching WandaVision and being like, I don't feel like they made her full of remorse enough. And that kind of made me feel like they were going to make Wanda this darker character going forward. Right. But it's just weird seeing that Wanda (laughs) backdropped against this, like, I'm throwing fireballs at people and killing them kind of Wanda. I think. Strange. One of the things that I have the hardest time with is that we've taken a character that we all care about a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a scene when they first introduce her dreaming, dreaming of her kids. And I she wakes up and it's a strong transition from like warm colors and like her putting her kids to bed and it's all sweet. And then she wakes up and it's drab and it's gray and it's sad. And I burst into tears because I care about Wanda because I love her and I love the character and I love how they've done her so far. And I think what's so shocking and startling about this is that if you really think about the villains that were given in the MCU, you know, Thanos is a monster But he Mm. tries to justify what he does by saying that it's for the good of all. You know, you're you're sacrificing half of all living creatures so that the rest can thrive. And he does it in a relatively painless, relatively fast, efficient way. It's not good. He's bad. Thanos was not right. But it's merciful. Mm -hmm. Most of the villains we see... Their intention is not slaughter. Their intention is not even so much violence as it is, you know, end goals and power and money and things like that. For most of the the villains that we we get, they're willing to do violence. They're (laughs) They're absolutely comfortable with violence. But that's not a first goal. If they could get to where they got (laughs) with little effort, they would. Right. Yeah. Wanda. And, and, you know, Bucky being an example, he does lots of murdering. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was essentially a mercenary for Hydra, and it was bad. But it was very limited and very focused, very specific. Wanda is just depicted for the first time. And, again, we didn't really ever see Bucky's murdering of people. We didn't watch Bucky kill people. Yeah. This is the first time on screen we have a character really just... Physically ruining people. Yeah. Just I mean, we, myrtling the heck out of them. We've seen it. We have <laughs> seen it on I mean, screen plenty it. of times. But what I mean is that, like, it like, was... I mean, even with Bucky, we saw the <laughs> sequence of him murdering the Starks. Right, right. You know. I, I think this was so much more graphic. It was very graphic. And it so much comes more... comes with the Raimi territory. And so much more brutal. Yeah. Like, you know, 
he would murder the Starks, right? He murdered the Starks, but it was very efficient. Yeah. Her tearing Mr. Fantastic apart yeah. is not efficient yeah. or merciful that's, or or That's kind of where I'm at is the the <coughs> I think the extreme they wanted to take her to, I'd be willing to accept um if there was more of an establishment of it not being her in her right mind. Yeah. Because it's not just, oh, she's, you know, throwing hex bolts at people and they're flying flying through the air and maybe they're unconscious, maybe it just hurt, you know. She's literally, like, picking people up and torturing them to get what she wants. We see them disintegrate. It's we see, cruel. you know, that's... Mr. Fantastic, she unwinds like a spool of twine. and That's one of the things that I think makes Captain it so Carter different. She cuts Captain Carter in half and stuff like that. It feels cruel. Yes. It's... And we don't get a lot of most of the villains we've seen while they've been awful. I, I, I think I would be careful. I, I appreciate your opinion, but I don't know if you're remembering all the scenes. It's entirely possible. And I can't possible. guarantee I'm remembering all the scenes. But I'm sure there's plenty of cruelty in other villains. Right. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to fall in line with the argument that this is more cruel than anything we've seen the Red Skull or Thanos do or anything like that. Fair. Uh, but I do get what you're saying. The cruelty is something about it that really like. Yeah. You know, because it's it's not so much that she's just a villain now and she's like, I'm going to steal America and take her power and then she's going to be left powerless and stranded in this universe and then I'm going to gallivant through the universe and they're like don't you'll destroy it and she's like I don't think I will I I'm in full control don't worry it's I'm going to murder these people and torture this person even though it doesn't really isn't really necessary I'm going to go to this place where there's a bunch of demons bowing to me and I'm going to be just like yeah cool neat I'm going to kill this girl who has a full life ahead of her because I want what I want. When I get to the universe with my kids in it, I'll kill myself because screw her. They're my kids. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's not just that they made her a villain. It's that they made her a villain who seems perfectly okie dokie and in a way even excited with murdering the shit out of people. Yeah. And it's hard for me to rationalize if they ever want to make her redeemable. Well, they again. definitely made her get away. And it just You can tell there's like a burst when the thing collapses, so she probably teleported out or something. Like it's hard because she was there. She knew even if she was yeah. corrupted by the Darkhold, she knew what she was doing. And that and separates yeah. it from Buff from Bucky who was literally, literally like mind wiped, mind wiped, That's, had no concept. Yeah. So like, how do you redeem a character that we just saw literally tear people apart for the fun of it? Yeah. And that's another issue I have with the argument about like, <laughs> oh, this, she's just corrupted. This is, it makes perfect sense. Cause like, like you said, they never, you know, as we both said, they never give any real indication to that. And it shows she seems incredibly coherent. Yes. Throughout most of it. You know, we see the Doctor Strange at the end, who is also a dark hold holder, who seems a little unhinged. Unhinged. Yep. And while, yes, Elizabeth Olsen's portrayal of Scarlet Witch does have some very subtle unhingedness to it, 
you know, no more than when she killed Ultron. You know what I mean? No yeah. more than when she like showed up and fought Thanos. You know what I mean? Like or the moments of odd clarity during WandaVision. Yeah. Like it it the justification for her actions being that she was corrupted just falls a little flat. And it is gonna make it interesting if we see her again. Yeah. You know? Has the MCU done redemption arcs for absolute scumbags before? Yes. Everyone loves Loki. <laughs> you know? Everyone he, loves Tom Hiddleston. He inst <laughs> he instigated a freaking assault on one of the heaviest populated cities in the world and was like two movies later was like Thor's homeboy <laughs> buddy comedying, you know? So it's, yeah, they're totally going to do that. I don't, I don't think Elizabeth Olsen is done with the character, but it is going to be hard to justify. And I don't know if I can swallow it. You know what I mean? I would have been, like I said, I would have been all in on villain Wanda, but I just think they took it too extreme without showing enough of, they didn't give her character enough of plausible deniability. Yeah. You know, for the things that she did. Yeah. It's like Bucky's a great example of that. You know, the big scene in Civil War where uh it's revealed that it's revealed to Tony that Bucky killed his parents. Yep. You know what I mean? Like he sees the video of it happening. And, you know, the argument Cap makes is like he was brainwashed. He was, you know, and we know that. Yep. But Tony's like you know and goes all crazy but the reason we're able to watch like falcon winter soldier and the continuing saga of bucky is we know that he's on this redemption arc and we see it in falcon and winter soldier yeah. where he's like friends with this dude's dad he's literally you know? going through his book of people that making he, amends making amends yeah for something that technically he doesn't even know that he did yeah like he wasn't things, there things he had no control over and how are you going to do that with wanda because they're going to have to come in and they're going to have to say, like, I was corrupted, but we didn't see that. And it, it's, it's, you know, I always am upset in movies when I can tell that because, you know, these movies get huge and big and puffy and then tons of stuff gets cut out, mm -hmm. you know, so that it's not like a five hour long Zack Snyder flick. <laughs> but like some of these things can be fixed with like a two minute scene. Yeah. Or, like, a handful of one-minute sequences. Yeah. You know, all we had to see is, you know, a different Scarlet, a different Wanda in her headspace. All yeah. we had to see was, like, a big explosive moment at the end. She's bringing down, you know, Chathon's tower, and then Chathon, like, erupts out of the book and was like, I control you or something. And she's like, you don't, you know. and yeah. Or, like I said, like, have the book whispering at her more. Yeah. You know, it's it's like it would be like watching Lord of the Rings and like you get to like the first time that Frodo like lashes out at Sam because the ring's corrupting him. But all the previous ring corrupting things never happened. Yeah, we never saw any of it. So you never see like Boromir doesn't try to like steal the ring of power and we've never introduced a golem and you don't see the ring like whispering to him. You don't see... The moment of Bilbo being like, ah, the scary Bilbo the moment. scary Bilbo. But like, and then just suddenly like two movies in, like an hour into the movie, Frodo's just like, 
back up, fool, and punches <laughs> Sam in the face. And you're like, whoa, what the hell, Frodo? Jesus. Man, Frodo's being a dick. Good lord. <laughs> and that's that's my biggest problem, is that like they took a character that was a hero, wanted to save lives, lamented lives lost. Yep. Either because of her or in adjacency to her, has lost people, has lost her brother, her kids, her husband, multiple times, mm -hmm. has lost her family with the Avengers. You know, like she is nothing but lost and is just absolutely cool murderizing people in extremely painful and cruel ways. I need to see it. I need to see her get yeah. to that point. It's a big jump. You know, we need the Snyder cut. <laughs> Release the Raimi cut. Um, one thing, like the last thing I'll say about it, I guess, because I've just been rambling about it. I think the thing that makes me the most sad is that Infinity War came out in 2018. If you were a six year old girl in 2018, you'd be 12 this year. And imagine being a six year old girl and seeing Scarlet Witch, you know, Seeing her and Viz fight Proxima Midnight and Glaive, whatever his face is. And then like, oh, Vision's hurt. And I've got to kill my the love of my life to protect him from Thanos. And then like, oh, it didn't matter. And then, you know, she comes back in game and beats crap out of Thanos a little bit. And you're like, oh, that's my superhero. Oh, look at her strong woman. She's like the strongest woman out there. And then now you're 12 and they're like, psych, she's bad guys, sucker. <laughs> she's murdering people, fool. And it's like, ouch. As a grown woman. <laughs> yeah. Whose favorite was Scarlet. Mm -hmm. I'm not crying. You're crying. Shut up. <laughs> and that's the thing in the comics. Scarlet Witch has always been a dangerous character. She's done some really shitty things, but it's always been because of corruption and because of the nature of her powers and, and the corruption of striving to be better the corruption of chathon and she's always been a tragic hero yeah there's no room for tragic hero anymore no they took they took her too far i think that's my argument it's like i i get that it's not like a the people who are like oh they suddenly made her a villain you need to go back and watch wandavision i think because she was very clearly a villain and she was yeah. always going to be a dark character using dark powers. <laughs> but we didn't get to see we didn't get to see the transition and she just transitioned to a point where we're not going to be able to do a really smooth redemption arc anymore. You point know, of no return. She's a tragic villain now. Yeah. And I think that's the issue is that. They just took it too far. Yeah. It could have been reworked to where she was still the main antagonist, but maybe less like, you know, make America on a mission to find her parents. And if she gets caught by Scarlet, then she'll never get to do that. She'll never get to go out and find her moms. And so that's like where the big tension causes. And right. then, you know, you end up in the Illuminati's universe. You find out about incursions and you realize that Wanda's out there hopping around universes somewhere with the Darkhold or something. Right. You know? And you could have made her a reluctant villain. And it's still, it would have given a lot more room for growth and change going forward. And it would have honestly fit better with her character. Yeah. 
her having access to this Darkhold, not realizing the damage that she's doing. And then maybe also, like, towards the end, like, she could get really stressed out and start being a little bit more villainous. And then you reveal that it's this horrible corruption by this Chathan. You introduce Chathan as a creature, as an entity, and show her, like, realize how far she's gone. Yeah. And kind of get up to that point of being the Wanda that we see. Yeah. And then pull back. Be like, oh, I can't do this. And then have a redeemable Wanda. But we're far past it now. So what do we do with this character? I don't know. Unlike what she said multiple times in the movie, Wanda, you are a monster. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. <laughs> so that's my two cents on it. I know this was a really long episode with a lot of rambling, but there's, like I said, a huge debate out there. And just personally, I feel like it's somewhere in between. I feel like it does make sense as her character, but it just wasn't shown well enough. Yeah. Uh, and I just mainly am kind of sad that I'm not going to be able to accept a redemption arc from her. Gone too far. You know what I mean? Because you didn't show enough of that corruption. Yeah. You know, maybe if we get like a WandaVision season two or like another Wanda series, maybe they can dive into the corruption a little bit more. But <laughs> until we have that, until they like retcon everything they put into this movie about her, it's going to be hard yeah. to see that character in a heroic role again. So anyway, get out and see it. Really, really good movie. Uh, despite what they did with Wanda's character, it was still really good. And I gotta say, Elizabeth Olsen crushed it. Oh my god, as she was a villain, incredible. she was very menacing, very intense, very scary. Uh, destroyed the role. Loved it. Really, really good. So that's gonna do it for us. If you want more episodes of Cover B, including other real extras that we've done, as well as some other fun things, uh, like that X Men episode we mentioned. Uh, you can find them on our website at CoverBPodcast.com. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so at CoverBPodcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So as always, we love having you here. Stop by next time. We'd love to see you. <laughs> Even though we, we can't see you, I promise. We see your numbers. We see your numbers. Your download number. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We love every single one of them. I have been Chris. This has been T. Yeah. And you have been listening to Cover, Cover B. Cover B. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>